The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. While you're turning to Revelation chapter 1, let me introduce it like this. Many of you have read the book or seen the movie, The Hiding Place. Have you not? Many years ago, Billy Graham Association produced that film, and Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy were in concentration camps in Germany and suffered many, many humiliating, painful, difficult days of persecution. In a letter that Corey Ten Boom wrote, I want you to hear what she wrote in that letter. Quote, I long for freedom, but I hope I will never lose the joyful consciousness of Jesus' presence that I have here in my cell. Isn't that interesting? Long for freedom, but there's something that I learned and experienced with the Lord in this cell. That's not just true of Corrie ten Boom. It's true of a multitude of people when we are at our lowest, when we struggle the most, that may be when we see more and understand better the things of God because He ministers to us there. It was true of Moses, true of Elijah, it was true of David, it was true of Paul, but it is certainly true of the Apostle John when he, in exile on the Isle of Patmos, received the most unusual thing, a vision of the resurrected Lord and instructions to write what he had seen, what he was about to write, and what was going to happen in the future. I want us to look at the first chapter of the book of Revelation. You'll find my sermon outline on the back of the bulletin, but I didn't leave any blanks. I just wanted to let you know there is an end to this Bible study. But but John is an older man. Some commentaries believe that he was in his 90s when he had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He was there. You know what they did on the Isle of Patmos? Someone wrote that it's a about a six by ten foot island, barren, about 40 miles off the coast of Asia Minor, and the Romans used that as a rock quarry. Political or religious people that were convicted were sometimes sentenced there, and they crushed rocks that Rome used to build the roads that they built throughout the Roman Empire. In fact, I was in Crimea several years ago, And our guide said we were actually walking on a road that the Romans built. And I wondered, I wondered if Apostle John had anything to do with the crushed rocks that we have here in this place. But let me, the um, description of that place was given in one of the commentaries like this. It is a crescent-shaped island with the horns pointing east. Used as a place of banishment during the Roman Empire, 
It was dry, desolate. Uh, people that sit there, of course, lost all their civil rights and their property. Christians who were considered to be criminals were sent there to do the hard labor uh, in the rock quarries. William Ramsey wrote this. Being sentenced there was preceded by scourging, marked by fetters, scantily clothed, insufficient food. They slept on the bare ground and worked under the harsh military overseer who guarded them. That's John the Apostle, the beloved one. He was there, and God came to see him. In the first few verses of the first chapter of Revelation, you see that the Lord is introducing himself. In fact, beginning in verse uh, 4, John says he's writing to the seven churches that are in Asia, and he talks about the Lord coming to him there. Uh, look at verse 7. Behold, he's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and every, uh, even they who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And about four times in this first chapter, Jesus says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end. I want to start our concentration in verse 9 through verse 20. So you follow along in your copy of Scripture as I read from mine. Verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches that are in Asia. Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Isn't that an interesting word? I turned to see the voice. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded with his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And his voice the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches 
And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. This, to me, is one of the most beautiful expressions of God's love and concern for His servants, even when they are persecuted, when they are banned, when they are separated from those that they love. In order to outline this for my own thinking, I want to suggest three broad outlines, three broad points. First of all, I want you to look at the persecution. I read that a moment ago, and I want to call attention to two words that are in the Scripture here. One is the word, well, look back at verse 9. I am your brother and companion in tribulation. The word tribulation is something that you ought to understand. The Greek word thalipsis literally is the squeezing or the grinding. It has the picture of the grinding of wheat. They would put wheat in a great big, whatever you want to call it, uh, grist mill type thing and would grind it so that it make flour or cornmeal. The squeezing of grapes and the crushing of the olives is pictured in this word because that's what it means to be crushed, to be ground up. And John uses that word to describe what he has already experienced and what others who were Christians at that time had experienced. I want you to see, he's saying, that I am your brother, but I also am here because the Roman government has tormented me. What do you think John was feeling? He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He had failed to bow and worship the the Caesar. It it, it was not a, a difficult thing to do. Romans would come to a community or a town and they would have an altar or picture of the Caesar and, and the people were made to come and, and take a pinch of incense and put it in a flame and say these two words, Caesar is Lord, two words in Greek, Kaiseros Kurios, Caesar is Lord. And if you didn't, you were threatened with death. Polycarp, 86-year-old bishop, was in line and he would not say Kaiseros Kurios. The reason is Christ was Lord. And Christians would often say Christos Kurios, Christ is Lord. And old Polycarp, 86 years old, said, all you got to do is say the words. Put the incense on it. Or we're going to cut your head off. And he said for 86 years, he has been faithful to me. I cannot denounce my Lord. John may have been in a similar circumstance where all he had to do was take a little bit of incense and put it on a flame and say, Caesar is Lord. But he wouldn't do it. Even to save his life. Christos Kurios. I wonder what I would do if faced with the same situation. What would you do? Do you have kids? Grandkids? Spouse? Friends? 
family? Would you literally say Christ is Lord if your life depended upon it? John was there. Many others had taken a stand that Christ is Lord. He uses that word. I'm here for the tribulation. And then he says, for the testimony. As I said, John was pastor in Ephesus, probably at this time when he was arrested. And I can only imagine how he must have felt to be so isolated from the people that he loved and the people that he ministered to and with. And here, because of that testimony, that witness to Jesus Christ, he had been exiled and turned away. So many of us may be living on Isles of Patmos. We struggle with life. Maybe our family's falling apart. Maybe our health is deteriorating. Maybe there's other kinds of pressure. And we think that God has forsaken us or forgotten us where we are. Listen, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And God's Spirit came and lifted me up and blessed me. Don't you ever think that God does not know where you are or what the circumstances is. He is omniscient. He is a all-loving God. And He knows where we are and what our needs are. Oh, we don't need to live on the Isle of Patmos without the assurance that God is there with us. That's the place And I hope that you're not on the Patmos wherever you live, but that you're living in the presence of God. But I want you, the best thing about this whole vision is the person of Jesus Christ. Look at him. When John says, I turned to see the voice that was behind me, boy, did I see more than the voice. I saw seven lampstands. And one in the middle of the seven lampstands was like the Son of God. White hair symbolizing maturity and wisdom. Beautiful priestly garments. He's the great high priest. Feet with bronze. You know why? Bronze is a symbol of judgment in the scripture. And here he's coming to judge the world. He is there in the middle of the seven churches. And Jesus is always in the middle of his churches. He knows what's going on. And then, I like this, the stars. We're going to see this in verse 20. The stars, they're the angels of the church. And the word angel simply means messenger. I think it's the pastor. Now, Jerry, how many times have you been called an angel? I've been called a lot of things the 40, 50 years that I've been pastoring. Never have I been called an angel. (laughs) The messenger. The one that God has placed to guide and to encourage, to help. I read about a preacher in the mountains of Kentucky. He'd gone to eat with an old country family and sat around the table, had you know, country-type food. 
And there was a big old boy there, kind of described as large, slow, and clumsy. And as they were eating, the dad looked over at the preacher and said, been watching my boy lately. I think... I lost my sound, didn't I? Why would you say that? Well, there's two things. He's big and lazy, and he likes to eat. Well, that's the way most preachers are looked at. But John sees Jesus holding the angels, the messengers of the church in his hand. What a wonderful picture that is. King of kings, Lord of lords, with all of the attributes of the Godhead. The voice, John said, was like the voice of roaring water. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? I have, once. When you go to Zambia with us, we'll go to Victoria Falls. We're told that Victoria Falls is ten times larger than Niagara Picture that. David Livingston, the Christian missionary doctor that was there for so many years, was probably the first white man that ever saw Victoria Falls. And in that area, he and many of his people well, had several in his group that died with malaria. They're buried there. I've seen the cemetery, about ten tombstones there. And a big statue of David Livingston. They said when David Livingston died... They took his heart out and buried it in Zambia and sent his body back to England where he was from because his heart was there. When you drive up to, that's on the border between Zambia and Zimbabwe, on the Zambezi River, you hear this roar a long time before you get there. And then you see the mist in the air that comes from the falls. You know what it's named? The cloud that thunders. And it does. It's a beautiful place. And when I think of what John sees here and hears, I think of Victoria Falls. God's voice is roaring. And John is there and he turns to see the voice. And what he sees is a picture of the glorified, resurrected body of Christ. Oh my Wouldn't you like to be there? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Slept on a bare ground. Not much food or clothes. But I was worshiping. And God came. Wherever you are. Are you listening? Wherever you are, you can worship. Persecution does not prevent worship. Difficulties do not prevent worship. We can worship wherever we are if we'll turn our eyes upon the Lord. Oh, what a message Revelation 1 has. And then, why do you think that was given? What was the purpose of the vision? Well, John needed a word of encouragement. So I think the first reason was John just needed Jesus. 
He needed to be encouraged. Look at what he did. Look down in verse, well, verse 17. This is the word that just jumped out at me and why I'm preaching from this text. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. What did he do? He laid his right hand upon me. Now, why do you think the right hand, and John mentioned it? Well, the right hand is a symbol of power and authority. And when Jesus laid his right hand on the shoulder of John the Apostle, I have an idea that John remembered a lot of times when he had seen those hands in ministry. They had touched blind eyes to bring sight. They had touched ears and hearing came. They had raised the dead. They had reached out in love and embraced a leper. Everything Jesus did, John, I think, relived in that moment when he reached down and touched me. Do you long for the touch of the Master's hand? It follows Worship. If you want the touch of the master's hand, you've got to worship. Commit to him. And he'll touch you. Oh, how John must have treasured that moment. When the hand of God rested upon him. He probably even remembered that when Jesus ascended into heaven. He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. Place of authority. Place of power. Place of love. He not only did that. But he spoke. What did he say? Don't be afraid. Fear not. I can handle everything. Those words, fear not, don't be afraid, are so valuable to a person down here because that's the way the gospel began. Remember? Angels said or sang to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Don't be afraid. That's the message throughout the Scripture. Isaiah 41.10, one of my favorite verses, has five reasons for us not to be afraid, because God is going to be with us to uphold us with His strong right hand. Don't be afraid. John was encouraged and strengthened by those words. Wherever you are, whatever your situation is, don't be afraid. I think as John laid there, stood there, fell there, I don't know what his position was, he may have remembered because Jesus said, I am the one who was dead and is alive again. You think John pictured the scourging? Oh, how horrible that must have been to see the very back of 
the Lord lacerated by this scourge, this cat of nine tails. He remembered the crown of thorns that pressed down upon the brow. I think he remembered seeing Jesus with a cross on his shoulder going through the Via Della Rosa. I'm sure he remembered the hammer as it drove those nails to his hands and heard the voice of our Lord from the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son. It was John. Son, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm thirsty. It is finished. Into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. And the vision that John had of the crucifixion was not the last picture. <laughs> Aren't you glad these women came running back on Resurrection Sunday morning and said, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! And John and Peter ran. And John outran him and went into the tomb and it was empty. I'm telling you, when John needed encouragement, just look what happened. I heard a voice and I turned to see the voice and I saw the Lord I lifted up and put his hand on me and he spoke and he ministered to me. Jesus had a reason beyond just encouraging John. He had a message to the churches. I think you find the whole outline of Revelation in verse 19. For the Lord said to him, write the things that you have seen. Well, what did he see? The vision of Christ in chapter 1. Write the things which are. Chapters 2 and 3, the churches, local bodies of Christ that symbolize so much. They were real churches, but they symbolize so much more. And God had a message for the churches, and John was to write it down. That's what we're going to be looking at the next several weeks. That's why it's so important for us to get into this message. We need to hear what the Lord said to Ephesus and to Smyrna. And to Thyatira, all the churches. But what if God has a message for First Baptist Church? We need to hear it. And as we study what God said to them, maybe He'll reveal what He wants for First Baptist Church. That's why I encourage you, I beg you, if that's a good term, to join us not only on Sunday morning, but as we discuss what Jesus is going to say to the churches in our Wednesday night services. There is a common pattern in these seven letters. You'll notice it. The Lord, if He can, finds something positive and He compliments or praises the churches. He congratulates them. And then if there's something that needs to be pointed out, He brings that criticism to them. 
And then he gives some choices. What are you going to do? And then he gives the, the consequences. If you do not do these things, this is going to happen. I wonder, I wonder what he's going to say to us as we listen to him. As he speaks to us. Because we're going to be praying. Lord, what do you want to do with First Baptist Church? What do you want me to do in relationship to your church here? Are you ready to listen? Ready to walk through these difficult days? Because we'll be looking back for a little while at what we used to be. We'll be looking at where we are now. We're going to be looking at what can we dream about? What can we expect to happen when God speaks to us? And I want to be a part of that, don't you? Don't wait till three weeks from now to start praying. Start praying for the church and God's vision for what He wants to accomplish here. And let Him speak to us. Because he has a message for his church. Maybe God speaks to you today. You're living on the Isle of Patmos somewhere. You're discouraged. You're defeated. You wonder, does God really know? And if he knows, does he really care? I have a message for you. Yes, he knows. And he cares. Does God have a purpose? Until he calls his people home, he has a purpose. Maybe he's speaking to you today about some area of your life that needs to be dedicated, given to him. Or maybe you never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He's calling you today. Wouldn't it be wonderful today to say yes to the one who puts his right hand of encouragement upon us and speaks words of encouragement to us? Let God have his way in our life. Bow with me as we pray. And in a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The words are, open my eyes that I may see. I hope that will be my prayer and yours as we consider what God's word for us is today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I cannot imagine how it was for John on that Isle of Patmos to turn to see the voice and he saw the Messiah. We don't need a visual of you for we have seen you in the word. We've seen you in our life. We've seen you minister to us. I believe that you're still with us and you have a message for us. Help me and us to listen as we pray, not just telling you about us, but listening to what you want to say to us about yourself and about your church. We want to turn our eyes upon you. <clears throat> Guide us, direct us, I pray in Jesus' name. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. 
For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.